Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander and this is Deep in Tech. This is episode 84, recorded at Data Scotland in the middle of September. It is an interview with Ida Bergum, who is one of the two data platform MVPs in Norway. We're joined now by Ida Bergum. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alexander. So, Ida, you're one of only two data platform MVPs in Norway, correct? Yes, that is correct. And how awesome is it that it's two women that are data platform MVPs in Norway? I feel that's like top of the world, crazy, good. It's just, I'm really proud of us. Yes, you should be, because you're both awesome. So, Ida, for our listeners, could you tell us a bit about yourself? What do you do, where do you work, and what do you work with? Sure. Uh, so, I am a consultant. Uh, I've been consulting for about four years for a company called Avanade. It's a global company. It's owned by Microsoft and Accenture. And we do basically only Microsoft stuff there. Uh, so I've been part of what we call the analytics experience team or sub talent community. And uh, I guess also leading that a little bit from, uh, from the Nordics uh, to build knowledge, to share knowledge, to attract good people, to create great analytics experiences. And when you say analytics experiences, what, what does that mean? Are we talking SQL Server analysis services? Are we talking cubes, multidimensional, Power BI? What are we talking about? So basically, it could be anything. But what we focus most on is the end user perspective. So it's much more about like, okay, design thinking to bring that sort of stuff into the analytics journey. To, to have a much more like end user empathy focus than rather jumping right into the technology part of it. So we could, for instance, typically it's, it's of course Power BI, uh, since that's much more on the like front end layer of things, but it's also the surrounding things that you can't see. So the governance, the adoption, the self-service BI strategies, the enterprise BI strategies. So, I guess it's hard to sort of box it, but everything related to the end user adoption of whatever it is. That is so interesting to hear because many of, of the people that I talk to are primarily technical people, right? And they jump straight into the tech stuff because that's the interesting thing in their view. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty much of the opinion that tech has no value without the business. And here you come along and pretty much turn the whole a notion of tech first on its head and do user first and experience first. Yes. How would you say you stack up against other companies in the same space in, in Norway primarily? Is, is that the normal way of doing things in Norway or are you special? So I think actually from, from my standpoint, uh, since we are doing this like use case based solutioning and use case based approach, that's actually something that our clients see as a good thing. Um, so often when people send out like an RFP, an RFI, whatever it is, you start out with solutions, right? But we actually take it a step back and then we say, you know what? We are not going to deliver a solution to you 
before we have done like a data value workshop or understood whatever use cases you have for data or analytics within your organization. And that for us has been really like a competitive advantage because they see the value of that and they also see the value of that after an implementation. So for instance, from a, like a data platform uh, offering that we do, that's also something we measure while we go, right? So are the results actually happening after we have implemented this that we promised in the first place? Are the business outcomes actually being reached? So that's, that's something they see as a advantage with, with us as a company, for sure. So you managed to take something that, th th there's this saying that people that don't have the time to do it right the first time always magically find time to do it again. And that's pretty much all the tenders that I come into contact with in Sweden, because they are generally very poorly written. But you managed yeah. to take one of the main issues and turn that into an advantage. How did you go about, do you have any idea how you went about to, to be able to tell the, the clients that, no, we're not going to give you what you're asking for because you, you don't know what you're asking for. You're asking mm. the wrong questions. How did you get to the point where you can dictate to the clients what the right questions are? I think that also comes down to a relationship because you can't really, that's not something you would sell in, but something you would change with the client. So it, it's more like a partnership on going down like a data journey because we don't sell ourselves as a consultant company. We're actually selling ourselves more as their partner in their journey. So it's, and I also feel we're not even selling, but it's more like advising them on that journey. Um, so it's, of course, if you, if you're answering up like a RFP and there is no relationship at the client whatsoever, then there might be more interested in price, blah, 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 blah. Then maybe we lose that, but those are also maybe not the clients that we would like to work with, to be honest. So it's more like a strategic choice of the clients we would like to help on their journey. And just having the ability to say no, already you've differentiated yourselves from many, many companies that just go for everything and their cat. Oh yeah, no, we don't say yes to everything. We only do like the, the large clients where and we can be part of their journey. That, that also brings me to, to another question. Would you say that data literacy scales with the size of the company as, as in they have a clue that they have data and what that data means for them. Yes and no, because that's, of course, smaller companies have more agility mm -hmm. in terms of like turning things into actions than what the big companies have, right? Uh, but that's what we see as maybe the, the challenge and where we would like to be part of their journey as well, to, to actually be there, like, because in Norway, at least, uh, at the moment, everyone is creating their data platform, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone. <laughs> it's, it's a very common thing to do. 
Um, and of course, we, we help them on that data journey as long as they actually have some proper use cases before going down that road, right? Um, but I feel in, in terms of the, the large companies, of course, they're struggling because they're, they have these data silos and they're much aware of it. So they, they can't really get value from their data unless they do something about that specific issue. So maybe for smaller companies, newer companies, it's, it's much um, an easier journey to go down mm -hmm. than the large uh, legacy, heavy data, big data companies, right? Um, so for us, of course, it's, it's also about business, right? That sounds very interesting, and I'd, I'd love to probe that more in a bit, but let's backtrack a bit. Because mm -hmm. you've not been in this field very long. No, four years. And look at where, where you've come in four years. What did you do four years ago? I was studying. <laughs> oh, you graduated four years ago? Yeah, I did. So I took a master's mm -hmm. in information systems. Um, and then I graduated exactly, yeah, a little bit more than four years ago. And then you went straight to Avenade? Yes, yes. And of course, Power BI has been part of that journey since Power BI was born when I was, or my professional career was born. Mm -hmm. So I've been, uh, I've been lucky enough to sort of follow Power BI on the, let's say, journey from baby Power BI <laughs> to grown up enterprise scale Power BI, which is also kind of um, and, and an interesting journey. And that, that's an exciting question in itself itself. Would you say that Power BI is enterprise today? Yes, would I you would say, say that. Would that, you that it's, say it's ready or is it still kind of a beta? For sure. Power BI is ready, but of course there are many things that large enterprise still are missing in mm -hmm. Power BI that said, but they see the path and the agility of the project product. So it's, it's more, okay, we know maybe this specific thingy that we are using in multidimensional, for instance, mm -hmm. is not there as per now, but they see where Microsoft is going, right? They're seeing like the, the strategy and where it's come only on in four years, right? There's been like a massive journey for that product. And just seeing that and seeing the competitors and seeing the scale and speed of Power BI uh, comparing with the other BI vendors, that's like enough said. Yeah, they're, they're, they're being left into dust. And one of the things yeah. that I say in, in my sessions is that well, the worst thing you can do when working for Power, with, with Power BI is to go on vacation because when you come back, <laughs> half of it has changed. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. One thing that is still missing is the um, governance part of things. Not really, because that's where we come in the picture, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> so there, there, are, there are loads of things you can do when it comes to governing Power BI. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the strategic part of it, that's where people are struggling, right? To understand like, okay, this 
is our requirements for security. Uh, many organizations that I've been working with has almost like shut the product down for self-service usage because they feel they're lacking control. Mm -hmm. But then you actually have to like, you have to advise them from beginning. Okay, so what is your like end destination? Would you like to, is it like creating a data culture internally in your organization? Well, then that's a journey. And then Power BI would be part of that journey as well as a lot of governance and adoption and measuring and scaling it up. Mm -hmm. Things you actually need to, to plan for and put in a structure for in your organization. So I would say when it, when it comes to, to governing Power BI, yes, there are loads of things you can do. There are APIs, there are even built-in things now that was not built in three, four years ago that you actually had to build yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But now these things are also being more and more built into the product, which is a good thing. So you don't have to like, um, let's say, figure out uh, the wheel all over again. Yes. Reinvent the wheel. That's what we say. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so actually, three yeah three years ago, I kind of went on that journey with a large Norwegian company, mm -hmm. and we've been down that journey for three years now, and now is where I feel like okay, they're really getting there. They're they're like creating a data culture, and that's based on going that governance journey, adoption journey, strategic journey, because they set a, a goal. You know, Power BI will be our, uh, what do you say in Lord of the Rings, the one to rule them all. So, <laughs> and actually that is almost happening now uh, because of all of the progress the product has ma made within enterprise, within governance. And of course, the measures they have put in place surrounding the product that we started to help them with for three years ago that is also exceptionally interesting because you're actually saying that a company a large company which in turn is a very sluggish company has over the course of three years three short years gone from nope we cannot do this to almost creating a data culture is that it yeah i would wow. say they're really getting there they're also using power BI embedded heavily so it's they're actually taking it to the next level right where you're actually selling your data and you're really getting use of your data assets that are sort of just lying in the basement or uh, reported in. So they're, they're actually putting this into their like core business functions to their clients. I'm so happy that you said Power BI Embedded because that is the first time I met you, you were talking about Power BI Embedded and I have very, very limited um, insight into the Power BI Embedded SKU. Where do you see that the embedded SKU comes into play and what would be a good use case for using Power BI Embedded? So there's actually two different use cases. And one would be to embed Power BI into your internal business apps. So ERP systems, CRM systems, um, even like SharePoint, uh, productivity apps, 
those kinds of things. And when you say embed, is it just the rendering engine or what do you put in? What oh, so so there are there are loads of options. Like I could put I could talk about Power BI Embedded for three days, right? Okay. <laughs> but uh, in in for the internal apps, there are many out of the box options mm -hmm. that in the Microsoft products at least, and actually now it's becoming more and more relevant for even like the non-Microsoft products I've even seen, which is quite interesting. Um, so that's more on the internal side of an organization. But then the Power BI Embedded I'm working or have been working mostly with is the external. So when you have customers not part of your organization, your tenant, mm -hmm. your uh, they don't have a um, alexanderarvidsson.com email address, right? Right, right. Um, then we're talking about a different embedded scenario because then they typically would not have Power BI licenses. Right. So you need you need a totally different model, and you also need a set of APIs in order to expose the content externally. And that's the the sort of external embedding scenarios which I know most about, but I've also been touching up upon the internal. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I feel like data monetization comes into picture, when you can create or share and secure content for your customers. And this is something even, I think it's actually PVC, so the large risk... Uh, Cooper. Yeah. They even have like a huge Power BI embedded solutions for their customers. Which oh, really? People probably don't know, but that's that's part of what they're selling, right? It's part of their package. It's part of their value proposition. So they 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 are actually selling the data and the tool set as a packaged product, and the tool set turns out to be Power BI. Yeah, that's actually one of the customer stories that has been presented at Business Apps, for instance. Summit. Oh. So that's a pretty cool story as well. It is indeed. Mm. Is it difficult to to start with Power BI Embedded? Because I've, I've gone through Adam and Patrick's, um, the guy in the cube stuff, and it's a lot of API keys and a lot of code. And is it yeah. that difficult? To be honest, mm, I'm not a .NET developer or something like that. But there are so much documentations, mm -hmm. there, there is so many assets created now for Power BI Embedded by the team in Israel, uh, Power BI product team in Israel. They're the mainly embedded focus team. Uh, so they have an embedded playground, which I find as a really, really good resource. If you want to start like looking at the APIs, what can I actually do in terms of embedding and customizing this? Because the, the APIs now is like, I'm like mind blown what you can actually do because customers can even, they can create own reports within like a web canvas mm -hmm. and then save it back to your tenant, right? And you could do loads of things. You can have custom actions, you can have custom filtering, you can have custom design, you could even have like custom, custom layout so you can play around with with the visualizations on the page. Where does this information go? Where, where does, is it stored? Is it stored in the EM tenant or is it stored in the customer tenant? In the customer, in, in, um, okay, so you're, if you're a customer selling data, 
And if, you have if a I'm power the end, BI tenant. If I'm the end user, yeah. then it's where, where does the data it, get It saved? comes back to the organization that's actually selling the data. So you need to have oh. like a proper architecture set up because it's a multi-tenant setup. Right. So you need to isolate the content somehow. Mm -hmm. So based on customers, based on content, based on whatever mm -hmm. uh, architecture makes sense, you need to, to set that up internally. But then that's something you have to, to take as an investment uh, as a company if you're selling data to, to your clients. Fair enough. So it's actually not in, or you can say it like this, there, there, there are also other options if you want to have like uh, Power BI, Azure B2C, that could also be a, a scenario. Then you actually don't need Power BI Embedded. So Power BI Embedded is much more for, I would say, if you need to customize your own app. So you have a website, you have a portal where your customers are coming, which is your portal. It could be, for instance, in, I could take one example from, for instance, um, DMVGL, which is the customer I've been working a lot with the last three years. And that's like a public reference, so I'm allowed to say it's them I'm working with. So they have this uh, platform called Veracity. And Veracity is actually, it's a data platform. It's an open data platform for maritime, oil and gas, energy, business assurance. Um, so ship owners, for instance, would be like one typical customer of DMVGL. Um, and they have this platform to also sell data solutions, right? And that's where Power BI comes into place. So, and Power BI embedded. Because then you could embed whatever content, whatever smart data you want to, to make available for a certain price or however they manage the business model surrounding it. Then that's typically a Power BI embedded scenario. So you have your own portal, you have your own design, you maybe even have your own custom navigation. So you can do things with Power BI Embedded that you cannot do out of the box in Power BI Service because they're, they're, it's actually a platform on top of Power BI Service with APIs. So you're sort of extending the product into your own. And that's why I feel this uh, Power BI Embedded stuff is just mind-blowing what you can do with it, to be honest. This is very interesting. I've, I've done Power BI for as long as you have, but I have not dipped my toes into the embedded side of things. And I'm starting to realize that I might have kind of missed half the product. Uh, yes. <laughs> no. Wow. No, but you know, it's, it's a platform, right? Mm -hmm. It's an enterprise platform. Mm -hmm. And embedded, I would say, is like building on top of that platform. So it's like a layer on top. And yes, you can do loads of things there. It's also what they also have APIs for custom visuals, right? That's also part of like extending the product by bringing in new visuals. That's the same team in Israel working on those things. So I feel there there is like loads of things in Power BI that is not really known mm -hmm. to the public, maybe before you actually see what it can be used for, what kind of use cases. Interesting. So um, and then you would use something like Flow to glue it all together. Yeah, for instance, Flow mm -hmm. can be one automation tool. Right. Maybe more on the on the governance side of things. Wait, what? 
use flow as a governance engine? <laughs> this I want to hear more about. Yeah, sure. So uh, flow is it's more like a self-service tool, mm -hmm. just like Power BI was a self-service tool starting back in 2015. Flow is the same for like business process flows, um, automation, right? And the things you can do with Flow combining with actually the rest of the Power Platform is quite powerful. <laughs> power. <laughs> well played. Power, power, power. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh, so one scenario that I've actually done a couple of sessions, or I did a session today actually as well, on using Flow to automate things in Power BI. So for instance, refreshing a data set, you can set that up as a flow uh, with a trigger from a database or a data warehouse, whatever you need to, because that's actually a very common scenario, right? Okay, so do we want to schedule a refresh on the Power BI data set when we really, really want to kick it off once the data warehouse is finished loaded, right? Right. And, and that you actually can do with flow. So if you insert a row somewhere mm -hmm. when the data warehouse is finished loading, then you can pick that up, use it as a trigger in flow, and then kick off a data set refresh using the Power BI REST API within flow or within logic apps or within Power, um, uh, was it? PowerShell. There are like m many ways of automating these things, but Flow is maybe a more end-user-friendly tool. How would you go about documenting all the flows? Because I can make a flow, you can do a flow, anybody else can do a flow. But how do you how do you keep track of them and know what flow is going to do what to what data and, and in which order? Oh, that is a good question. And to be honest, when it comes to governing flow. They have a little journey to go. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's being worked on, but not not entirely there yet. Mm, maybe not from like an enterprise perspective, because mm -hmm. there is like you cannot. There is no versioning. There is no the the typical things you would need in order to sort of um, production ready this. So um, those things. Is something that is coming like gradually they're working on it um, but right now I feel also that's maybe a little bit where it's it's lacking but of course you, you need the same level of strategy surrounding power apps and flow as you do with power bi right and, and that's maybe the issue as well that it's just there people are just starting to use it and it's to be honest, it can create a mess for you as well if you don't have any governance or strategies for how to handle this adoption of these new cool self-service tools. No, and, and that's uh, that's what I was, was going toward because yeah. if, if Power BI has become slightly more mature that you can actually keep track of it, Power BI is more like the younger... Uh, sorry, the, the, um, the flow is like the younger cousin that oh. has yet to develop all, all all its behavior, so to speak. Yeah. Would you say that it is an easier sell when it comes to governance to introduce Power BI in, a, in an organization than it is to introduce 
flow or would you say it's the same kind of issues that you I would say it's it's easier to sell in the power platform when you sell them in kind of a combination mm -hmm. because they actually complement each other in a super awesome way. Right. Uh, there is like so many integration points and things you can do there out of the box. So that's that's much more on the like you need this in your toolbox. But when it comes to the enterprise side of things, then it's much easier to sell in. Power BI, for instance, mm. then Power Apps and Flow. And also people don't really know what these new tools are capable of doing. So it's much more like um, knowledge sharing. Uh, right. At this moment, at least the, the clients I've been talking to regarding Flow and Power Apps, they're more in the exploration phase. So they're like, mm, how can we use this to ease our let's say it department mm -hmm. because that's really what you're doing right you're yep. taking away work from them that you can do yourself so that's more in the exploration phase i would say rather than production setting phase but wouldn't that kind of mean that you're basically sitting on a powder keg that day that the users realize what they can do with power apps and flow and start to do creative things with paragraphs and flow without having the governance stuff in place. That can be interesting. Yes, but that's also actually what's happened with Power BI a couple of years back in many organizations. Mm. And still, many organizations doesn't really have a clue what people are doing with that tool. So that it's, it's more about what kind of journey would you like to end up with? A mess or a governed mess? <laughs> or not a mess <laughs> a mess or a government and i think that was a great way of ending this interview i'm so happy that i caught you and, and got you on the show thank you very much for coming very glad to be here and uh, i'm sure we're going to meet up again very very soon of course <laughs> thank you again and take care thank you